0: Welcome to the Busy Being Born podcast with your hosts Kamande and Kigondu.
1: <laughs> hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Walt. ladies and gyms. Ladies and gents, there yeah, you ladies go. Ladies and gents, karibu nisana
0: to another episode of the Busy Being po- Born podcast.
1: There you go. Yeah, episode uh, 11, uh, uh, 15. fifteen. Jesus Christ! <laughs> 15. I'm sorry. Maze, so first of all, at a kabla tundele, we've had like uh, an hour or two of just chatting up and chatting up and warming this up uh, as we wait for Maria. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thankful we had that because I was slightly disoriented before I came. So I'm glad we've had that. So yes. Fifteen, not eleven. I was thinking about the downloads so far. Yeah, let's. It's keep a on. big day. It's a big day. We yeah. made our on first one k. Yeah, one k. Yeah, let's keep going.
0: Yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> so,
1: ladies and gents, uh, our episode today is brought to you by Funky Science. Funky Science is an education technology company striving to ensure that kinesthetic learning is incorporated into cognitive learning at a young age through creative experimentation. Funky Science delivers creative science experiments via online classes, camps, clubs, and events with the aim of encouraging students to love and practice science. The direct beneficiaries of Funky Science are school-going children of ages between 5 and 13. The experiments are interactive and encourage children to ask all sorts of questions about science and also to participate in a wide variety of experiments. Through these experiments, they teach children the value of science in their daily lives, and that science is not only manageable, but very easy and fun. The experiments are tailored towards providing children with the necessary information and interest that they will require to pursue science-based careers later in their lives. The experiments are simple, and use common materials that everyone can identify with. Like we always say with Kamande, we wish we had this when we were growing up. Eh? Yeah, no, eh. not just mungari. Eh, not mm. just uh, mungari. Eh, there mufara. you go. the <laughs> same <laughs> thing. I'm a bano. I'm a bano. Eh. And um, <laughs> introducing the funky science kit. Funky science has incorporated the learning aspects into their novel science kits. The kits, uh, the kits help children discover new lessons and amazing adventures. Each kit has experiment flashcards to guide the child with step-by-step instructions on how to conduct each experiment. Um, They have content that is fun and relevant, uh, align content with educational curricula and develop an innovative spirit in learners by using regular everyday tools. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you have kids at home. If you don't, you have nieces, cousins, you have little human beings who want to discover science. So to get in touch with them, you can email them ask at funkyscience.co.ke. Don't forget, funky science is f u n k e s c i e n c e.co.ke. Phone number 0728 440838. Check them out. 34. Sorry? 0728 440834. What did I say? Three Something eight. else. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the one. That's the one. Funky Science, working towards inspiring the next generation of scientists.
0: And their Funky Science on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Definitely, yeah, very good friends of the podcast.
1: <laughs> More than good friends, well, actually. Oh, yeah, very, yeah. No, the 20. company are good
0: friends. Eh? Oh, yeah, the company. The company. Good, yeah. Uh, what about, about the
1: founder? Th- the founder. Yeah, story for another day. <laughs> yeah, story for another we day. We should have her on the interview some days, is Yeah.
0: That's what. De- definitely.
1: We have, a guest. Um, we, we, <laughs> we have a guest. We have a guest. Yeah. We have a guest. We have a guest. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> are they, I won't ask like you did at here, are they African? Dude, we are here to spotlight <laughs> African excellence. So we only do African. Yeah, yeah? of of course Uh, they're African. So (laughs) are they they brilliant? Of course they are. Uh, Are they representing the motherland? Of course they represent the motherland. And last but not least, are they busy being
0: born? Of course, that's the only reason they're here. So ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is a Kenyan business beacon, successful and experienced entrepreneur and co-author of a candid handbook for women doing business in Kenya. She is the founder of Kayana Creatives, which is a female-owned business accelerator and the founder of Wheel Productions, and also Conferencing in a Box. Um, her, her entrepreneurial journey, um, escapades rather, range from design to events, marketing and branding, among others. And she is also the force behind mentorship and coaching platforms, shining a light on female entrepreneurs, such as Candid Conversations, which is um, Circles for Women in Business, um, and many more. A graduate of the Babson College of Entrepreneurship, Patricia um, was the recipient of the Enterprising Women Award um, in 2014 in Florida, USA. Um, she's based in Kenya. Um, she's married to Joseph Okello, and together have been blessed um, to have three children, namely Kaya, Ayana, and Zahari, which we'll talk about. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are more than honored to have with us the brilliant, brilliant uh, Patricia Okelo. Karibu Sana. Woohoo!
1: Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you very
2: much. Mm. Uh, if I didn't know some of the things that you talked about at the who's that? <laughs> <laughs> you've accomplished
0: so much that you've forgotten some of them. Eh? Like, That's I've forgotten.
2: I don't know. I think you, sometimes you're so busy doing things that when you look back, is when you're like, oh my gosh, I did that. Yeah.
1: And you know what we call that? What do you Basically being born?
2: Oh, that's actually that's true. There that's you go. True. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, thank you so much for making time to do this, Patricia.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. I've loved speaking to you guys. Yeah, um, we we had wanted. like
0: an hour of speaking we before did. before recording the
1: podcast. A funny story, Mazze. No, I'm sorry. We have to do this. A funny story. Apparently, she was here like uh, a, a while before all this. Yeah, she was. You to tell early. us a story? It's called enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> As was, uh, oh my gosh. But yeah, we're glad we're here in this moment. Yeah. Commander, you want to take us off as we yeah, start all yeah. this?
0: Um, Pat, um, yours is an incredible journey. Um, and we, we don't go to the roots before we ask you about the last one year because obviously that's a huge component um, of the days we're living in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did it all start? At, at what point um, did you discover that you wanted, especially, um, to be involved in entrepreneurship and helping women founders within the organi- within the country or within the continent?
2: So I actually never thought I would ever be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. at all. I actually, when I graduated from Ku, I probably I had worked all through my Ku days, and then um, NTV was opening up the station for the first time. So they, there was a print, but there was no like media. And I applied for the job like any, you know, fourth year when you're just about to get out of college and actually got called for the job. But unfa- unfortunately, they didn't have a license at the time. So we had to figure out, you know, in the, until they get the license, yeah, you have a job, but you can't show up until, you know, we can actually run uh, the station. So I actually got myself another job. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. And um, during that uh, that whole period, I actually met my now husband and... Then um, Nation NTV calls us like in the December of the same year he proposes to me. So, yeah, I found myself, um, you know, with a new job and a (laughs) new husband. (laughs) 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 And so I said yes to the job and I actually then go and report to the work. But I'm planning my wedding that whole year and then finally get married in September of, you know, 2000 and come back to the office and um, think that, you know, my husband who was in Mombasa at the time and I'll be working in Nairobi somehow, I imagined that that's how we were going to live. But with a lot of pressure from family, it became apparent that um, when people get married, they live together, kumbe. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) So I then had to like, you know, um, handed my resignation and and the whole thing, because it was an entrepreneurial family I was getting married into, they were like, you know, Job is not everything. You can actually run a business. Imagine you have talents, and people were already. I was already doing side gigs and side hustles. I was already being paid mm. anyway, and that's just actually how I got into the entrepreneurial. I could say the entrepreneurial yeah. journey. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. A step back. Um. At KU, what were you studying?
2: I studied fine, art. fine arts. Fine art. So I've always been artistic. Um. Hence the reason why I don't remember things like dates. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always living in my own little world out, out there, and I. I mean, I've always. That's something that I've always known. My dad would have liked me to be a lawyer, but. He didn't fight when I said I was going to study fine art in university. I was a good, good fine art student in in school, and yeah, so that's just I took the natural, the easy way. You yeah, know? Because, yeah, yeah, the okay. path of re- least resistance. I think that's what it's called. Yeah,
1: deep tangent to take, but uh, you could say a yes or a no. Is your depending on where he is? Is your dad proud of you? with the route that you took
2: my dad is extremely proud of the product that patricia turned out to be and he doesn't i mean he tells me every, every time i call him he still yeah. alive i thank god and so every time i speak to him and those are the words he keeps saying really proud of you patricia i am ah. so it's really there's a sense of satisfaction actually in the in That's the fantastic. journey yeah,
1: That's yeah. A, okay then to take it back to ku you said as soon as you're done with that you're also doing a few side gigs yes. so what were the side gigs and are they in any way related to who you are today
2: I think all else, all, everything we go through is related to who we are today, we become, yeah. yeah, whether it's traumatic or whether it's um, it's fun and exciting. So yes, I, I from the minute I was able, because I was able to draw, people would always ask me to do stuff from them. All through high school, I was drawing, birthday cards for people's boyfriends. you know, <laughs> I was always doing something. Maybe in school I wasn't getting paid for it, but certainly by the time I got into university, if I was doing that kind of stuff, I was already earning um, something from the work that I was doing. So... It was just a natural a progression. Um, KU had things like cultural week. And because we were in the fine art department, of course, we would always take the lead in things like that. Um, during cultural week, also, you're encouraged to do cultural things. So it's, if it's cooking cultural food, for us, um, when my friend at the time, we used to do a lot of bookmarks and would sell them, you know, we would hand paint them, we'd paint thousands of bookmarks and sell them for like 10 bob. So it was always, I mean, we were always doing something. So that was the natural way of doing things. Of course, as we became um, the senior guys in um, in KU, we became the ones who were actually organizing the cultural festival. So yeah, I've always done stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Okay. You mentioned something interesting, um, which is, um, one of the reasons why you jumped into entrepreneurship was because you got married into a pretty entrepreneurial family. Now, do you think that um, had, had it been otherwise, of course you can't go back and change things, mm. but do you think it would have been easier for you to make that bull step if you hadn't been married into such a family? No, I mm.
2: think my path was very clear because after we finished Fine Arts, you just go with who, have, who has gone before you. The work was to get into agency and get into mm. the creative space. So, if of course you're a thespian, you'd go into acting and stuff like that. If you're a fine artist, you'll become, you know, the uh, the painters that we now know, and which I was neither of the two. Mm-hmm. So it would definitely because my major was in graphic design. I had to get into I had to get into the macans of the world at that time, and so we you're just struggling to get into a, kind of like a an, an internship, an unpaid internship, and then eventually hoping that you get into the creative department, and that was life. That was what it was. Yeah. And that was what I was expecting to happen. Mm. Of course, with now this new stations opening up that open now a different world that now, you know, that's what I where I ventured into. If I was not gonna go into advertising, then at least let me get into um Media. Into media. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Um, um so um this is in the year two thousand. I hope you're okay with ears. Well. Yeah. So, okay.
1: so first of all, congratulations because this means you you've now been in the 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 blessing that is marriage for twenty yeah this is my twenty first year. wow that's my twenty first congratulations yeah. yes. thank you very
2: much um, yeah we're gonna
0: talk about some of the lessons from twenty years of marriage <laughs> oh my gosh. for some of us who've been married for um yeah significantly less number yeah, of years a tenth of that <laughs> a tenth of that yeah, yeah to be honest yeah um mm-hmm. so the year two thousand now you, you go from NTV this was Nation back in the day um and you know your family tells you this is not the end of the world um you can get into entrepreneurship so mm. um how, how do you what are your next steps after that, and, and how, um, what story are you telling yourself right now? Of course, you have a lot of talent mm-hmm. um, in terms mm. of the arts and you have skills, of course, yeah. but how do you organize yourself around um, now starting a business? Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I think about that season in my life a lot because it is a turning point, point it was a turning point in my life. I had been accepted into Reuters. Um, there was The Reuters used to give an annual scholarship through, through the Mohammed Amin Foundation and I had been shortlisted. Actually, they, they had even called me to tell me that I was getting it. And then um, I'm turning that down. And it was a whole year, by the way, of like three years, three months in Kenya. Then I don't know, Finland. Then, I mean, it was a, as in basically we're not going to be together. All the things that I'm being
0: As newlyweds. As newlyweds. Yeah. So it,
2: it's funny, you kind of see these decisions that need to that you need to take coming but you're postponing them hoping that something will happen. Yeah. Corona. I don't know. Something will happen. <laughs> but it doesn't. So your 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 mind is in a real turmoil. Um, you're young, you're ambitious, you know. And I'm wondering where this path I've never seen. I don't know successful entrepreneurs personally myself. My parents have both been um in civil servants, mm-hmm. um, in their own right. Entrepreneurship has always been those days was for, you know. Not so straight kind of business, mm. and so you're, you're. I mean, you don't really have that level of encouragement uh, from the people who you who have known you all your life, kind of thing. So it was, a, it was a difficult um, decision at that time. I feel for me to take. Um, I wouldn't have known it was how wonderful a decision it was um, until many many years later in my life. Okay, that's that context. The second thing is to guide my decision making. Um, I had already registered a business. Uh, I think in the September of that year because it became apparent I was already doing work and now so my husband is telling you're doing work, that money you're getting, what are you doing with it? Mm-hmm. You kind of like register our business, you know, so we, I registered Will actually that same year and um, because a lot of my friends were now going into kind of mid-management and decision-making jobs, they knew and they knew my skill sets. Remember, I've been working all through Uni, they're like, man, we're in this position. Patricia, can you do calendars? Can you do you know business cards? Can you do for us an end of year diaries? We have an end of year inv- event. Can you do that? And I, the quest, of course, now because you have a partner, you tell them he just says, just say yes. So I'm like, yes, you know. <laughs> and I, and these are people who are working in multinationals. Thankfully, my husband was working in a multinational, so he knew I needed a certificate of incorporation. I knew mean, I needed something to show them that I am a legit business, even if I am the business. So um, registered my biz- the business and then used that to be registered as a supplier. It wasn't as stringent as as it is now, to be registered in multinationals. It's more of if somebody knew you, they and they could vouch for you. The bosses were quite willing to go with that. Yeah, and I got two really big jobs um, between se- September and the December of that year. Enough so that I actually paid for my first car. And um, as I was side hustling, my I had a fantastic uh, boss who. Thankfully, he was years older than me, almost double my age. And I would talk to him. I'm like, man, actually, they have sent me an LPO. I mean, uh, you know, an LPO. Asked them for a deposit. So I go, can you pay a deposit? The mm-hmm. next thing I'm getting this huge check, I've been paid a deposit. You know, he's like, okay, Pat, now, how long will it take you? to work for this organization before they ever pay you a check like that. And that's the thing that when it hits home, it hits, when your boss is telling you that. Wow. Yeah, and he knows what you're earning, mm-hmm. FYI. So he, so that's when I was just like, oops. So uh, so that's really how I, the decision was almost made for me. Yeah. You know, that even if I want to stay in this job and do the hard work to finally and eventually get this kind of money, it's come already, Pat. You know, it may have not come the path that you thought it was. But it's come, and that's really how i ultimately now took the decision that December and didn't go back to wow. n- yeah n t v
1: oh wow that that is so. Like special that you you you've gone in that direction because my next question was at what moment did you did you like decide now I think this is it and mm-hmm. clearly like mm-hmm. you've said things worked out in your favor mm-hmm. so what mm-hmm. happens next do you decide I let's keep pushing this vehicle and see where it goes mm-hmm. or is it yeah j- just tell us what happens next
2: so then I I then um go to Mombasa Raha in December Mombasa yeah. right <laughs> so I leave to go to Mombasa. On in fact it was a whole intro because it's my family usually you, you turn the new year there, and so that's what actually literally happened, and then everybody leaves the house and you start now life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I finished some of the orders had not finished so I managed to you know finish get my final payments, and then I was in Mombasa so I literally wake up in my my husband now him he's got a job right so. See you, bye. He goes off to the and
1: office. He's living in Mombasa he's right living now. Living in Mombasa. That's So what, yeah. you guys are now. And now Mombasa. in Mombasa.
2: That's okay. where we actually live. And then, um, so I, I, he's gone to the office. So I wake up in this house life, housewife life. Eh? Mm-hmm. You're cleaning up the house, you know. And I mean, I know my husband that he knew that's not the kind of woman I was, but I guess I thought I was. Then at like eleven, you put your kikoi in a basket. Those days there was no social media. that so maybe that's what I'd have ended up. Being. <laughs> <laughs> and I go to the beach. I would go to I'd go to any different hotel. Let me try them all out. Mm-hmm. Have my with a magazine, whatever. I uh, have my lunch there, then oh I think it's time to start preparing you know supper for the husband, mm. so I go buy the whatever honey what are you gonna have? what are we gonna have okay you buy the stuff come home did it for maybe a week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for like, I did it for three months. And I was yeah. like, what is this okay. I mean, this is <laughs>
2: not, and you know, in the meantime, you're still finishing off work. And some, some, sometimes you get the odd people calling you. Hey, are you around? I have something. Can you do my wedding cards? I'm like, you know, I'm in Mabasa. You know, that kind of thing. And uh, it be- and then it, you now start looking at the clock at 5.30. There's a, um, um, a meme that's been going around about how Kenyan wives are. And I'll show you after the show. Okay. And it's, I became one of those Kenyan wives over are you coming home for dinner, you know, or mm. nini you know, mm. that kind of thing. And we knew this thing is going downhill quickly. So my husband is really supportive like that. And he started saying, okay, fine. Um, Pat, I think you really need to go and start looking at institutions at the coast and see who can, we may not give you those big jobs that you are getting in Nairobi, but certainly you have something to offer. Mm-hmm. So we literally started just going and flogging my work from door to door. And of course, the biggest business in, at the coast is around tourism. And um, I remember going into Nyali Beach, I was introduced to Muhammad Hirsi. And he was like, oh my gosh, he couldn't believe we had that level of a designer in Nairobi. And he just just started giving me a ton of work. And that's literally how we started again. I went back, I went from those big orders to now doing orders of 3,000. 4,000, but mm. slowly building the business at that um at that level. Yeah. And, 4, and, and are you doing shillings. this by yourself? Shillings, oh not God. copies, okay. Sh- no, shillings. shillings, I'm saying 4,000 shillings and you, as in you get an order for 4K, oh. 5K from, imagine where you've come from, right? And I'm doing it on my own. Oh, and of course, I'm the designer, I'm the driver, the delivery guy, the printer. Yeah, I was doing everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and,
0: you and b- But of course... You've already left a lot of your networks mm. um, in Nairobi. Yes, so how do you start building those new networks? Of course, I know you have a background. I know yeah. that you're very outgoing, and yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but how did how was that in, in a new town city now? Right back yeah. then, I think it was just a town. No,
2: it was difficult. I must say, I'm uh, as amazing as it is to you, command. I'm actually very introverted. I find meeting people very very difficult, difficult unless it's something I'm extremely passionate about. And I, I don't know if you've read the book Quiet. Uh, by Susan Cain and she talks about introversion. Mm -hmm. And it's um, basically, if you're really, really passionate about something, you kind of like then can get out of your shell. Mm. And that's what it was. When I was talking about things that I was passionate and confident about, I could talk to anybody about that. But any around making friends and you know, that was hard for me. My husband is the extrovert here. And um, so that was a difficult part. So I didn't really have like friends per se, but certainly through the work that I was doing, I then began to meet people in organizations. And then people at the coast are really easy. So you find that like, you're going in for a meeting, but You'll drink tea. You, I mean, you'll talk about people, your family, their families, and it. And that was really good in terms of of that part. When it came to business, but socially, I didn't. I struggled. Maybe I had just one or two friends during my two years mm. in at the coast. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Actually, that was going to be my yeah. next question.
0: Yeah. Um. So you do two years in in Mombasa, um, and then you move back to Nairobi.
2: I moved back to my Nairobi, but by the time I
0: moved back, I had um. Uh, identified a, a
2: printer who was a partner. actually, who's still they're still my printer still today. And at that time they were based in at the coast, but now they also also opened offices in Nairobi. And so they were doing a lot of my production work. So we do design. and then of course, if we do bulk productions, they're the ones who do the print for me. And then also a lot of the the the, the customers I had in Nairobi were very gracious. And they didn't mind me you know working from out of Mombasa and only need to maybe fly in for jobs that could afford that kind of a budget otherwise it was just G4S you do your stuff put them on the security call mm-hmm. and they it. go yeah. okay
1: so so when you say you you move back to Nairobi this is just you by yourself Ama uh, the two of you as a couple three the, uh oh. by now the firstborn <laughs> is here. Yes. Okay. So, this is yeah. a big. This is a big deal. Like mm. I, I've seen where I am in my life right now. I've seen a lot of my friends and the difference that a baby coming on getting on board on their Getting family. on board mm-hmm. yeah on mm-hmm. their family ship mm-hmm. becomes quite uh, i don't think that's how it works und- i don't
0: think a baby gets on board <laughs> it's not a, a decision that they make yeah that I'm, I'm gonna come on board now <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> you know it's the parents who make the, that's but important. all i'm trying to say is
1: mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure this was um i don't know in some way a challenge mm. i'm at least something you hadn't done before because this was your first child yes yeah. so how was this how was this you trying to um, navigate the business in Mombasa, then a child comes on board, then you now have to go back to Nairobi. Yeah.
2: As you talk to me, you'll realize Joe and I are guys of like, you just, you deal with stuff, you know? Yeah. It's just part of what needs to be done. Um, sometimes you're pushed into it, like we were pushed into moving to the coast. Yeah. But once we're there, you're going to make it work. Yeah. And um, so we were married actually for a year. Yeah, a year on our own. So we really enjoyed each other's company. And Joe is the firstborn. So every time we would come to Nairobi... What's happening? you cannot yeah. just become. You're Kwanza, you're alone. We're not, we're not even coming to disturb you guys. Yeah. What, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 for <laughs> entertainment anyway. So, um, uh, so yeah, of course, in, um, uh, Kaya, my our firstborn was born. We, we didn't. I remember even when Kaya was put in my hands in the car when we were going back home and sit, I remember sitting in my husband was driving a Toyota Corolla a uh, small car and uh, we were sat behind and him, he's driving my husband, is huge. Yeah. So he's in the front of the car. I'm looking at the back of this guy's head. I'm looking at the head of this child and I'm like, I'm supposed to keep this human being alive. You know, how, <laughs> how are we going to do this? Yeah, and it was really daunting. And I mean, I was young. I was 28 at the time. And um, so we just, we, we really are people who take things, even in chaos, we just take things in stride, you know, and so we're like, We'll figure it out. Our parents are not here with us because we, we were only in, uh we were the ones in Mombasa on our own. And that's, we just started life with a small business, um, a tiny business. I remember even delivering posters to Nyali Beach Hotel as I was going to Mombasa Beach, and uh, Mombasa Hospital to deliver. Ooh. That's, that was the entrepreneurial journey. I remember that clearly. They used to call my baby baby Nally. You'll call that baby baby <laughs> And that's that's we just did what needed to get done. I don't know how to. I, I I'm not an overthinker, okay. and I I don't take a long time to take decisions. So it was just that was just my life. You know, you're pregnant. You have to deliver. You have to have the baby. <laughs> you have to come home and keep the baby alive and run the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was one of those things. So we took time. I probably maybe just took a couple of weeks off and then my computer moved from my bedroom now to the guest room because um, I now had a child, you know, and, but we continued to, we told the the customers now, and I can't come and see you. You will have to come and see us guys. And so that's, yeah, okay. that's it, yeah. Okay. yeah.
0: Yeah, so you, you moved to Nairobi now. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you um, set up WeLUT? Um, for the next phase of growth.
2: Okay, that's a really good one. So my father-in-law gave me a space in his office. Um, he, it was a room, maybe around this size, and he told me I have to pay him rent. The only thing you need to pay me is ensure you pay me ten k every single month mm-hmm. when for the time you're here, because you're in business. Ah, yeah, start. So that's and that was the actually it was the best decision he that he did because I was it kind of like put, puts you into that mindset of now you're running a business. It's not mm. just for fun. And then um, I had to hire my first employee because I had a child now. And so I couldn't work at the way I was working before. And I pushed my first employee. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my 10K, I had the, my, the salary of this uh, first employee, and then um, I had to buy furniture. I'd, actually, that was my big investment, making the place look you know comfortable for people. So I set it up, I painted the entire office from head to orange. Don't worry, we worked from there. I have an old photo, I wish I had come with it. And we started, we got a phone line, we had to get a phone line, a fax machine. Um, uh, we had to have my the good thing the office was in an an institution because he was an engineer and it had a huge uh, those satellite dishes for dialing up internet. Remember, I don't know if <laughs> you, what's it called VSAT or something, I don't remember the name of that thing. Yeah. Huge, I remember it was outside my office, so it's huge. And we had it was for dial up now, dial-up, yeah, yeah dial up. Um. um, Emails, And then we did something that is at that time didn't have a name, but it's known as spamming. So (laughs) we got email addresses and we just sent out emails to tell them, hello, this new agency has been opened that is really cheap. And it's not like those advertising agencies you guys are used to, you know, using and we're in business. And that's how we really started. We opened up uh, Kaboke House, State House Avenue. Nice. Interesting.
0: A couple of questions from that. One is how did you come around the decision? to poach your first employee as opposed to, you know, sending out, uh, you know, a job description or a job ad. Um,
2: With which money? (laughs) 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 We had to go and look. You go to your network and see who is the person who is housed, hopefully by a parent or living in their parent's house and just needs money probably for what? Maybe transport (laughs) to get to work because that's all I could afford. And that's how I got my first employee. So I I ask you, Command, do you have a sister who's just chilling in your house? Mm. And that's literally how I got my first staff. She was not a designer or anything. Trained her those days. We used to use coral Draw to do design work. So I trained her how to use coral Draw and Adobe, and she became a designer. She didn't know when she met me that she was gonna be one. But wow, yeah.
0: and, and is she still a designer today? She's an
2: extreme creative, as in extremely creative, and um really. And I really love what she's done with her life, actually. She does a lot of very creative work, works with a lot of influencers. She's amazing. Actually, she's an amazing human being. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so we. this is only just the beginnings of this uh, long going career. Mm-hmm. But is it with this faster lady? I'll call her that. Uh, is it around now that you start seeing your interest in mentorship?
2: I must say yes. Okay. Um, my first employee is a lady called Josephine. I'll call I'll talk to her because I talked to her, I even talked to her yesterday and I'll tell her that I spoke about her. And she taught me the lesson known as patience. Really. I was just like, it was it was a crazy journey. Let's just put it like that. But we worked together for nine years. Learned so, so many lessons together. And yeah, I must say, I always say that I wish I still had that energy to mentor people to that that level now. Because seeing what that level of patience, if an emplo- if a, as an employer, if you could put that amount of patience into our staff, we would it would be amazing. You know what Simon Sinek says about um, your re- human resources? Your actually your wealth. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. It's the truth. But we just need to dedicate more time to to uh, mentoring and growing our yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's almost it's an investment. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so so how does uh, journey continue? So
2: we then yeah. So we we're there. The two of us in business, you know, <laughs> spamming guys, and then we get... Sorry, sorry, Pachi. I'm, I'm curious about,
0: how did you get these emails? Because back then, you know, you're using dial-up, and um, know, most people are not connected to the internet.
2: I'm going to rack my brain. I actually don't know where we used to get... We must have had it from somewhere. Mm. I don't know how. It must have been yellow, either... Not yellow pages. Definitely. No, there must have been somebody maybe who had created a directory of mm. emails. I mean, we must had, we had to have gotten them from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember there were email address... I mean, a lot of them, of course, would bounce back, yeah. But we, I think it was an NGO directory. That's what it was, yeah, <laughs> an NGO directory. And so we just started sending out, you know, that we do design work for NGOs, you know, for books, for brochures, for whatever. And lo and behold, people actually responded. Oh, wow! <laughs> Amazing. That's how we got our customers. Remember, I'm introverted, so there's no way I'm going to do this legwork. Yeah, no, yeah. no. And and there's an anonymity with emails. We're mm-hmm. sending to from info at Willard to. Info at another organization. <laughs> it was wonderful. I loved it, mm-hmm. and we actually would be called for interview for to pitch for work.
0: Yeah, was there a design to that cold email?
2: It must have been. We must have said, yeah, my, our names. We mm-hmm. design. We actually, you know, before because we used to send emails. When I was in my bus, I would send actual letters to people and drop them at their offices. So we just made that into an email, mm-hmm. and it was the same things that we would say on that letter, and and we put our name and our numbers, and we'd be called. These new brand new numbers we had landline numbers. <laughs> and we, we would be called for jobs we would and we worked with multinationals we worked with uh, uh, international ngos it's amazing i mean that's how the business grew mm-hmm.
1: yeah okay yeah. amazing so <laughs> th- things are taking off here yeah? but is there a moment around then that you ever felt i okay maybe this might not work like before the responses start coming is there or even when they are is there a moment you like feel okay maybe this too Overwhelming. Am I taking too long for things to to pick?
2: So you remember me, I started with knowing that work existed. Mm-hmm. So I knew I could get big business. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the kind, I started with large um, large orders and then it whittled down to now doing <laughs> two, the 4 and 4, the 5K. And, yeah. 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 And by the way, when I was getting those large orders, you also hear what I was spending my money on buying cars and CGY. Yeah. So there's a bit of a disconnect. So I knew th- I, it could happen. But did I know enough people to give me enough yeah, of those orders. Yeah, you know, that's, that was the only challenge that I had. So I believed, I had a very deep be, deep belief that what we were offering was available, was people wanted it, but I, you know, I just, how do I get these people? Okay. And that was my biggest challenge was who, where is my customer?
0: Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, So where do you go from here? Um, wh- Who's your next employee? Are, are you looking so at? We start, yeah, yeah. So
2: I used to print work at a printing press and those was people, the person who used to prepare You know, in desktop days, it was was different. So you do the files, then you have to go and do, is it DT? I can't even remember the words. But they have to prepare to make plates Mm. for the plates to go to print. So you would sit with those pre-press guys. That was my next employee. Uh. (laughs) We went with her. (laughs) She came, she was an intern anyway, and they they were not hiring her. So that's how we literally grew the team. And then she was very extroverted, our third employee. So she was like, Pat, you cannot be the designer and then the driver to go and pitch the jobs. I'll bring you a driver. So she brought her, her buddy. He became the driver, although that was not his background. But that's the that's task that was needed at the time. And we, the four of us worked, worked, worked. And then I realized I couldn't service all these customers and come back and design and come back and do. So we got a sales person. Right. And now the five of us really, that was the heartbeat of the company. Right. Really. And we just started working, building one customer after the other. And this is a space of, I would say, not more than at even 18 months. It's quick, this is happening really, really quick. And then, um, yeah, so we start, we're visiting, we're, service, we're servicing the clients, have to get into, um, to get my suppliers to start giving me credit, because I could never, no longer just, there was not mo- no money to pay like that. Now everybody's paying me on 30 days, and then, so we get into, of course, the contracts with the suppliers. So we're building now, we're actually building a business, mm-hmm. you know? Had to get um, somebody to do the numbers because now we had to do VAT returns. (laughs) And from my track record, you'd know if I was to do VAT returns, what that looked like. So we actually had an an accountant, and that was the team. So we stayed, maybe we stayed in that office space for from 2002, end of 2002 to 2005, where we moved to a bigger premise now. Yeah. And then we moved the team like that, literally. And just as in you move and you have to start working because the orders were now growing. And we then developed our studio. We got our studio. So I started hiring um, gra- graphic designers. We actually now, we did an interview process. Mm-hmm. And so now we had actual people who had gone to school to do design. And then everybody else was either transitioning to be uh, client service you know to manage the clients because we did not want to lose the clients at, at because we were growing so fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: It's a powerful journey, mas. I know. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm I'm still, I'm I'm still, excited for the bit where you now, have to relocate to the US. So I'm wondering how long it took before that next step. US tw- e- new premises to to not even then. Mm. well clearly business is going quite okay mm-hmm. for a while, the mm. and in your intro, Commander mentioned. uh who read the intro.
0: I, I did, yes, mm-hmm. yes,
1: you did. There you go. Uh, you excel uh, your, your time at the Babson College. Also, oh, yeah, okay. So, before what happens before you get there, is there a big thing? Am I you're still oh, running the ship as Kawaida?
2: Babson? I went to Babson in 20 after I had had my third child. Wow, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so this, this is years almost later.
0: a decade later.
2: Yeah, I mean, oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, this is really our, uh, and Babson was an executive program. So I only resided there for a very short period
0: of
1: time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, So le- let's, you know, take it back now to, you know, the time at Twilat and you get into the next level, you have a lot of, I presume, a lot of competition. Um, what are some of the challenges um, in those maybe first five years that you had to overcome, if any?
2: I even did I even know about competition. <laughs> <laughs> you just <laughs> going you're and working, going. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it, you know, I felt um, that time uh, BTL was not a thing. Of course BTL below the line advertising, below the line yeah. advertising. Huh? Because everybody was going with above the line. I mean, that's where the money was, you know, and and, and retainers. And I didn't have that experience because I hadn't come from agency life. Remember to start this mm-hmm. business of, that I was running. So I didn't. I was ignorant. I went into the space. I was a graphic designer. Who was doing pjs or small jobs and how the business was just then growing mm-hmm. and growing so mm-hmm. it was very very organic very, very org- organic growth yeah f- for the sake of our audience mm-hmm. d-
0: and even ourselves mm-hmm. myself i speak for myself do you mind explaining what the difference is between above the line and below the line that's uh, over the line
2: so yeah below the line above the line is like i would say television radio um billboards mm-hmm. yeah that's all above the line and below the line will be stuff like flyers, um I guess brochures, you know, mm-hmm. and that level of distribution, merchandising, mm-hmm. you get mm-hmm. that that space, and yeah, maybe things like road shows later because mm-hmm. now that's actually actually as we'll talk, you'll hear how the business evolves mm-hmm. and so you 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 use remember what I'm pitching for is for you to give me posters to do for me posters for your jobs, for your products, brochures. Maybe books. That's the kind of work we are doing. Usually related to ev- an event happening around your business or a product launch, or in the case of NGOs, um, a project closing, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's you don't really need agency to do that because they've already de- developed the the kind of like what, what do I say the, the campaign the itself. campaign yeah but there's that other stuff that happens afterwards they, mm-hmm. that they they're not doing which we would then produce. So you could even be given ready made ready artwork. And all you're doing is just, you know, developing it for whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and print, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm. Let's talk about the evolution now. You have actually gone yeah. there. um So you go from, um, you know, doing a lot of the things you spoke about. um What's the next level of Willat? Um, and at this point, you can also combine that with, um are you thinking of doing other things? Um, is there another company that's coming up in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, something else that may be related or not?
2: I think for me, the big thing that's happening that is really important is the rapidness with what technology in the print industry and with uh, PC in the PC world is happening. Computers are becoming powerful, mm-hmm. right? And can do so much more, so th- and they're becoming powerful, but they're also becoming cheaper and more accessible.
0: Even in the late 2000s?
2: This, yeah, I'd say towards yeah, mid to the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. So now, as you, as you know, as colleges are churning out designers, even the skill sets of the designers are changing. Multimedia is coming up. 3D design is coming up, you know, and the they can't be absorbed into agencies anyway. So more and more individuals are looking at the um, as at themselves as entrepreneurs, or as people who are able to earn um, an income, including even guys from agency are now saying, "Why am I sitting in this job with this new technology that's coming out? That's so so exciting, and I want to be in that place." And guess what? I've worked hard enough for me to afford a really great machine in my house. Because many people, the first thing you do as a designer is to raise enough money Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get your own machine at home, you know? So you're able to do the work you're doing. You find the work that you're doing at home is just it's amazing. And people are willing to pay top dollar for that kind of work if you're really, really good at it, you know? So um, there's a lot happening. So the technology is changing. Print is changing. We don't need to go into plates. We're now doing CTP, which is computer to plate, which is eliminating all pre-press work right so what's going to happen to those desktop guys mm-hmm. they have to transition to one side either to become very technical or you de- de- develop a new skill set so there's a lot happening in that industry um at that time and it was an exciting exciting time you know so uh, yeah, you happen So there's a lot, a lot of uh, that kind of work happening. We are also getting a lot more exciting work. We're getting um, campaigns for people, especially people who are already in Europe, in in Asia, like Japan, whatever. They're already they're like a decade ahead of uh, of us anyway. So they're used to dealing with small companies. They they used to dealing to do doing huge orders with a company of three or four people. It, be, it became the norm, not like what it was before. So it was a a really, I mean, that's the prime of our business, I would actually say, where we were doing exciting, churning out exciting work, um, teams working on big projects, um, not really kind of agency work, new things, you know. I remember working on a project that was um, talking about being able to do separation of waste um, in Nairobi and we were doing pilot projects and trying to l- run them in Kilimani to see if can it really work and understanding the demo- demographic and the use and the behavior of um the people in that area so the work is changing you know it's really really nice now it was a nice time
1: yeah to, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, and are you in the trenches as well are you down there designing I'm now it's just uh yeah.
0: you've risen to the top <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: no you yeah, are now we're doing more creative work let's mm. just put it because now uh, my now my role definitely has transitioned i have a team of probably better designers than myself. So I don't really need to be at that level. We've also earned enough money to have really good machinery, right? Uh, We'd invested in a wide format digital printing machines. So we're doing also our own branding. It's really, so my job is, it's very different. It's getting to sit at the table as a solution, so when these people are talking about the technical, the difficulty they're having in what the execution is, saying, "Oh, we can do this and this," and then I come and tell my team, "These are the solutions I think we can do to help these guys deliver." So it was really it's a different, it was different kind of work from what I initially was doing at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But it's still very creative, I think, in terms of um, problem solving.
0: Yeah. Um. So maybe um. You know, the year around to 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens after that? Do you say, okay, now we're just going to grow Willard, um into and, and let it run by itself, and as I look in something else, um, or what other things are you exploring at this point uh, so as a next still,
2: step? We're still doing, um, I would say, the core of the business at that time, which was still remained for many years the core of our business, which was still pitching the the what the way I described it in the beginning. But now we're doing it with multiple, so we have many many projects running mm-hmm. at the same time. So that's what was happening and many um very good um sub, uh, client service and support people so some of the projects I'm not even involved you know so um, that was happening at the same time and but we were looking at the at the back end of, at the numbers because at the end of the day you have to do your audits and see where there's areas for growth right and it became apparent around 2010, that one of our most profitable products, but we were not investing in, was in corporate events mm-hmm. and logistical support for corporate events. So not really what we now know as event management, but it's really designing an event for a client who wants to have the max, most maximum impact when they're hosting that event. So that was what was exciting at the time. So, but we would only do maybe one or two because we were too busy with our heads to the ground, just you know doing what you need to do. So, um, my auditor then told me, Patricia, I think you should explore this area. This looks like an interesting product you have around here, but I knew it needed a different skill set in the team. Yeah. So, um, I then took my 001 employee and we sat together and said, Hey, Josephine. Josephine. Mm-hmm. And we had already, the product was called Conference in a Box and it would appear at the back of our brochures. Yeah. And I said, We need to figure out this Conferencing in a Box product as a business on its own. And so um, we then registered conferencing in a box limited and Josephine became the CEO of that company. So that's how she transitioned. And we opened an office on just next to Willard but um, off Ngong Road and started this new startup. I guess now they're called yeah. startups. At <laughs> 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 that time we didn't know what it. it was just another <laughs> business. <laughs> and so this other side continues to run because it was a mature, it was now a mature business. It had its flow and everything. And we now start focusing on this baby, exciting, exciting baby called Conference in a box, and we design. Now this one we actually designed the business, but like this is the product. Um, there's a lot of people offering product and you know, in terms of what we call event hire equipment. Yeah, so it, whether it's um it's chairs, tables, tents, um audiovisual, Lighting, you yeah. know, whatever, but um you still go to events and you're like, oh my gosh, the sound was crap. The whatever, you know, the chess came late. We started three hours late. And the element, that element of logistical support is what we said. I think we can bring that as our product to market. And that's the core of what um, Conference in a Box became. And so we designed that business with how it would work. We sent out now proper, you know, prospectus. No more spamming. (laughs) No more spamming. You know, we had learned, Yeah. yeah. And we also had a small budget. And um, we wanted to see who's... The, I remember we, call, we used to call it a toolkit. We sent out a toolkit, but it was an actual hand... Because remember, we were in love with print still. We had not embraced digital. And that became the toolkit that we would send to corporate clients and tell them, why you, to, this, you need to have all these things, checklist done, before you even think of saying that you have an event. Mm-hmm. And we can do it for you. You know, Any blank spaces, we can fill them in for you. And um, so yeah, we were fortunate and got one of the largest telco, um, I mean, company in the world as our first client, and we entered into this new whole logistical space yeah. of corporate business, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was our first client, and it was we started. That's how we started with Conference in a box, and yeah, it's eight years today.
0: That that was in 2012. That's when. That's
2: 2012 when we formalized.
0: Yeah, formalized. It. That's when we formalized yeah, it. yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to go, but I have a lot of questions around. Keep going, keep I going. Mean, a lot of yeah. the growth, because here he, there are two stories here. One is how you we, that came about, and and that's very fundamentally different from how conferencing in a box came about as well, right? Um, so now you've learned, um, you, you're obviously a better leader, a better manager, a better entrepreneur because you've learned the journey. You've learned the lessons for what uh, maybe ten years mm. actually, right? Mm. Um, so my, my follow up question to that is. Um how are you able to split your time between Willat and conferencing in a box now it's a new baby needs more attention um did you maybe hire someone to run like the operations for Willat by by itself and then you know be a bit hands off um h- how was that especially yeah. in those first early days in those early days of um conferencing in a box
2: Yeah one of the things I've been really blessed with in Willat I usually have staff who stayed with me an average of 5 years And that's everything in a small business.
0: Even in this day and age of millennials and... um,
2: But that was at that time. Yeah. So two or five. Okay. (laughs) Just if you can keep human resource in your space for five to six years, it's phenomenal for your business. And I was very, very lucky in terms of that. So if you have, for example, if you've had somebody who stayed with you for five years, of course, they know the ins and out of your business completely, right? And they can then take on more they don't need us you don't need to supervise them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's what tended to happen. because I could keep a team for very long, um, you can actually do, you can actually, I even went and had an another another baby. You know, I mean, you can do other things to be honest. yeah. And that was the real blessing I think in the journey. And that's how I had time to start thinking of this other solution that mm. we could possibly offer. So yes, as you grow the team, now we're not doing everything. Now they're very clear roles. You actually realize you actually need an administrator. You do need somebody to manage HR issues in your organization. And that's what happened. So once those tasks were taken away from me, I was able to look at more. I think is it called business development these days or yeah. whatever, but I could look at other things. yeah. And that's how we were able to do now these other multiple tasks. And we were already running multiple projects because now we were having clients who had been with us for years. And so they call you in when in, in the idea stage of a project. So you have multiple large projects running at the same time. The only difference with this one is we're saying, don't bring us up into your meetings when you've already decided what product you want us to design for you bring us in early Mm. because we now have the you know info the information the things that work what doesn't work with your budgets we can tell from your budget what you can and kind of do and we'll save you a lot more time
1: at at the back of my head i'm just thinking um so i'm like you've just mentioned there's another baby by now so when do you get time to like also, uh, have do, the yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the being a parent mm-hmm. side, okay, how are you yeah. balancing all this? Because, uh, well, it sounds like uh, uh, quite a couple of um, balls to mm-hmm. juggle. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I am extremely fortunate. I can't explain it. I can't even explain it. First of all, my husband is just a support system. It's an institution. You know, those ones of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was very, very lucky um, that I married somebody who we, we are in sync. We just get it. You know, one of those things. So you do what you need to do. We're building this business. Yeah. And you know, we I know you need time. While he was working in a much more established business, mm-hmm. do you see, and he my, he doesn't have problems with being the dad that attends the concerts. And the. that's just how he is. We, it's never been an issue. So very, very fortunate. That's the first thing, because if you don't have that support, then you'll always have. And, and moms always work with guilt. There's mom guilt is a real thing with moms. Wow. And so if you have mom guilt in the office, then when you go home, somebody's giving you guilt trips about it. You're not going to, of, of course you're not going to do it. You're just yeah. like, imagine he beashara, ikai. let me f- focus on my on my kids. Yeah? yeah. And so that's the first thing. I had a very, very strong support system. Let me talk about now, other than my husband, the support system in terms of the help I had at home. I had a superwoman, a super nanny. You know those super nannies you hear about? Mm-hmm. I had a super nanny. And she was very, she was, those ones of, I'm gonna be very present for your kids. You know, they'll be healthy, they'll be fine, but you're still gonna be a mom. You know, that's level of, so I would still come home. Even if I've worked until midnight, she would wait for me and say, if you think you're going to sleep tonight, you're dreaming, yeah? Ayana has a flu and a fever. I've given her whatever you know, Kaya has a, you know, have whatever state the child is in. Or even while they were fine, I feel like they're fighting something. You know, the things a mother can tell. Mm. That was just miraculous. And Maggie worked with us for 13 years. Wow. Exactly. Before she passed away, unfortunately. But imagine I had all that. So you, as a woman, without that level of any support, there would be no story. I wouldn't even be sitting here to tell you guys a story. Yeah. So it, it means everything. It means yeah. everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. One of the things I'm picking out is that you have, I mean, you obviously understand the importance, like you said, of um having people work for you or with you for a long period of time. Um, are there any tips or any pointers that you'd give to any entrepreneur in terms of how you make that happen? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that um, in terms of retaining talent. I, I'd say, Um, you know, there's more attrition than retention over a period of even two years. Um, So I'd say like, like, you know, if if you look at the Kenyan startup ecosystem that I'm in, um, normally um, you look at most startups and the average period that an employee stays within a startup is about 18 months, which is not good, right? It's not good, especially if you're looking at, uh, you know, growing a company beyond a lifestyle business. Mm -hmm. Um, So are there any tips, any pointers that you'd give to ourselves and our audience?
2: At any level, when you interact, you have to be interested in people. And I am really deeply interested in people and more so than anything else because then you would understand the task that somebody is able to perform. Yeah. Uh, I love talking, like I love taking Ubers um, when I can and hopefully when I'm not on a Zoom now and in an Uber and just listening. When you take time to listen to what somebody is saying, that's where the hints are being dropped, you know? And I think for me, I, never, I took it for granted. I didn't know until much later in my life how interested I am in people. And maybe it's the introversion part of myself. I like people to talk more than I like to speak. So I'm everybody who works for me, I, I get a little bit of your background. Um, the people who tend to stay with me a lot are the people who are the most open with me. The people who kind of like are not open um, we don't really stay for many years <laughs> together. <laughs> Let me just put it like <laughs> that. So the more open you are, and especially when we were small, when you're bigger, you can kind of like get away with not speaking to part kind of thing. But eventually, if we work on a project together, I'll I'll want to hear more about you. Or if I notice that maybe you're guarded, maybe it's something that's gone through your life and you needed to create those kind of like um barriers, I give you that grace. But now once you've stayed, you've stayed with me past the 18 months or whatever, it means that maybe even you, you feel... This is a place you want to stay on. You need to open, you need to trust me a little bit. So I kind of like, that I think has helped. I think when you get invested in someone, um, sometimes my my family calls me the Church of (laughs) Adulam. So for those of you who know about David and going into the cave in Adulam, go and read if you don't know. And I kind of like, I I like imperfect people. I really, I love it. I love people with a flaw, people with something that's not okay. And then, so we don't need to prove. <laughs> we're not proving with each other. <laughs> no, we've like, come here. We've come broken, yeah. and let's try and repair ourselves in during this season. I'll tell you all the time when you work for me, um, five years staying with me may seem long, yeah, but it goes away, it goes in a flash, and that's the truth. So, what are we going to do with the three to five years that we're going to be together? What how are we going to invest in each other, you know? Yeah. So you have invest give me something, I give you something. It's not always about the money, you know? Yeah. And I think that tends has helped. And it's whether it's at home, whether it's even contract guys, like my uh, do the delivery guy is now been with us for five four years, five years. Wow. It's, yeah. So we try and do that with everybody that comes in our space and then it becomes the culture of, of the organization Yeah, and yeah. it helps. Yeah. That
1: is powerful. And um, uh, let me piggyback on what you've just said about loving imperfect people. Uh, by this point, you, you've, uh, you've sort of developed the muscle around leadership and uh, with the two businesses and all. Are there, are there spaces around you that you feel... I'm deficient in this. This I'm imperfect in this. This is a struggle for me. And is there something you now decide to do to maybe get better at it if there are gaps at all?
2: Yeah, so of course, having only done maths until standard uh, form four, never again opened a math book. You can imagine how my back end uh, in terms of finance mm-hmm. You know, uh, a projection. I didn't know those words until I went to school. Eh? Um, what are what are the words when you're supposed to predictions in terms yeah, of business? Yeah. I don't. I didn't have yeah. any of that. <laughs> so of course, for people who are quite mathematical and uh, systematic, it can be very very challenging uh, working with with me. Yeah. So it became apparent that I needed to understand what uh, my husband calls finance for non-financial managers and it had to be done in an interesting format. And I was under so much pressure to do an MBA because of course my team, I'm hiring intelligent people, you know, and even they have dreams and etc. cetera. I don't want to be the people, the person who's holding them back. So at that time I knew, I just, I'm just like, from fine art to MBA. I mean, it just sounded just bizarre and I'm still a creative. Fortunately, a lot of universities were now coming up with um, owner management programs because they re- realized a lot of entrepreneurs don't have time to come back and invest in themselves and you know, educate themselves in these on these terms. So there was a lot of these um, owner management programs coming up, or even executive programs where you just go and spend time, in a in, which are the norm now. But of course, that time was a new, th- very, very new thing. And I, I, I started seeing. Okay, I sense this is interesting, but I'm very, very close. We're a very close family, and I'm very, very close to my husband, my kids. You know, and the thought of just leaving them for a period, it just was like heart wrenching. But uh, they say you, now they hear you young people calling manifestations. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I must have done some. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're manifesting. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So I must have manifested something because this actually product came about. And I remember um, I get an email from Michael Nonyango who at that time was working in the Ministry of Communications. I can't remember. It was called something at that time. And he sends an email. I says, hey, Pat, this looks like it'll be something interesting for you. And I see it comes early. It came like uh, in, on, in maybe May and the deadline was October. So... There's no way Pat is going to remember October. Mm-hmm. I take my phone. What do I do? I save that on oh no, that date when the deadline is, I said, let me give it like, you know, a week <laughs> so that I can apply <laughs> for it. So fast forward to October of that year, it must have been 2012 or 2011, 2012. Yeah. I then um, get an alert, apply for this seputers program, a pro- pro- program that the Swedish embassy was sponsoring entrepreneurs. And it was an... um this is administrative you know, cost, but it was for entrepreneurs and it was a year for a year. It was going to run for a year and I was required to be in Stockholm for a total of uh, three weeks, three, three and a half weeks. So I then, uh, it looks looked really good. I guess I said, I guess I have, this is the shortest I'll be able to, I mean, a course that I'll take, that can take me away from my my family. And I tell Joseph, oh, there's this thing that Michael sent me. Uh, Joseph, like, I hope you are applying for it, Pat. So I said, okay, fine. I've put it out there. Let me do it. So on the, a week before the deadline, I, and I didn't open, sorry, I didn't open the attachment. Uh, when I got the email, I mm-hmm. just read whatever it said. And that was it. So like on the Wednesday before the deadline, which was, I think the Sunday, the alert goes, like, Pat, apply for mm-hmm. Sipu. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I have to apply for it. I put a reminder. So when I'm um, on the Sunday afternoon, when I'm in the house watching something on TV with Joe and the alert goes, and Joe's like, oh, what's that? Oh, there's just this thing that I was supposed to have applied for, of course, which I'm not going to apply for. He was just like, Pat, open your laptop right now and apply. So I open my laptop and I do the application form. And then, um, of course, when I finished, I said, please print and email. Mail it to this address in Stockholm. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> or drop it at um, the Swedish embassy before the Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before. So they said before, There's no way the email, the a snail mail is going to arrive. So I seal it and I get it delivered with a courier to the Swedish embassy on the Tuesday. Uh, is it Joseph? It might be Joseph who got it delivered. <laughs> And lo and behold, I was called to the program. Imagine, just like that, I got in and it was starting in the the February of the following year. And we were expected to be in Stockholm in April of that same year, 2012 or 2013. I can't remember the details well. And that's how I got into this amazing, amazing program where I learned so, so much about business, understanding, oh, it was really very well, um, a combination of tactile learning, so classroom kind style, but a lot of business visits and a lot of entrepreneurs talking to us from very large um, organizations like Scania and um, I can't remember some beer company and even very, it was well, well planned. My, then I became in love with now upskilling as an entrepreneur because I'm like, this kind of education, it, I can do this, yeah? Mm-hmm. And so when I, I finished, I when I did that, um, we graduated from that course a year later and that same year I was nominated for the Florida Award, Enterprising Women. And went to receive it, it was, of course, with my wonderful husband, who probably has done all the work in creating this entrepreneur. And we went, we received it, in Florida. Fantastic, fantastic experience of two two days uh, with um, very, very successful female entrepreneurs. And um, they were very gracious. You go according to your turnover. That time, my turnover was between 500 to one. One hundred thousand, I think USD, right? And you receive your award according to your different categories. And they actually, when you're going to receive your award, they tell you why you're receiving that award. And I remember I had been networking with this woman because I'm introverted. When you're an introvert, you look in the room, you look, you look, look for somebody like you. I went and clung to this woman you know, <laughs> and became her handbag. And when she went for her award, she was in the category of businesses turning over um, one million to four million. No. $1 billion to $4 billion. Yikes. And I'm like, thank God I didn't know that when I was talking <laughs> to her. <laughs> but it was such an impactful experience. You know, a program packed oh. with experiences or from the entrepreneurs. And just talking about what I call women way of doing business because we're juggling family. We're, we're juggling our mom guilt issues. Um, many of us are going through Divorces and whatever. And I remember one of the ladies even talking about how she had no idea what her husband did until the day she received her, wow. <laughs> her divorce paper, and then went on to build a ten billion dollar shipping business. Amazing! You cannot that cannot not impact you. So came back home and I was just like, you know what? I need to do. I need to do a lot more of this. And in terms of education, that's now a different story. And then finally, um, that same year, I got the opportunity where another multimillionaire was going to sponsor. But all these programs I'm I'm going for are free, FYI. That's why they say if you don't buy the tickets, you don't win the lottery. lottery. It's like literally that. And then this lady, a Spanish lady who was the former deputy prime minister in Spain had also opened a fund for women, women in Africa. And she was going to sponsor 16 female entrepreneurs to go to the top school in the US because she believed if rather than giving large amounts of money to, you breaking them down to very small, small, why don't we just invest like a million dollars in a woman mm-hmm. and see what she can do? And that was what they did. That's how we ended up going to Babson. And there were 16 women who went went there, did the exact program. I went for that program when I had raptured, by the way, my Achilles heel, I don't know, yeah? Went with a raptured Achilles heel to Babson. Um, amazing. Um, I mean, you know, who's going to give up going to one of the top entrepreneurial mm-hmm. schools in the world? Anyway, they would have taken me in a ambulance. And, <laughs> 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 so then, um, come came back and then finished the program. We graduated in uh, University of Nairobi, and so those are the two posts. I hope I've answered your question. Yes, you have. Yeah, yes, you have. Um, of the, the b- of upskilling that I I beautiful. did, but it also led me on now a completely different kind of like social entrepreneurial. Old journey
0: yeah. that I'm now on. Yeah. 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 Um, we had a guest, um, a phenomenal guest, a few weeks back, um, King Wakamenchu, right? And she mentioned how, you know, she's doing something right now to help the creative people um, align with more or upskill them with more eg- executive functions. Um, and she talked at length about how you know a lot of creatives lack in in, in that particular sphere. So it, it's interesting that you're speaking of the same thing, yeah. uh, but also more interesting that you sp- you identified that mm-hmm. and you're able to um, yeah. get into programs that could help you yeah. uh, work on that. Yeah. Um, amazing. So w- we've seen a couple of rebuds, or even um, you know, not even pivots. Like you just going from stage to stage and face to face. So there is wheel art and then there is um, conferencing in a box. And then I suppose in twenty nine, eighteen, nineteen, nineteen. nineteen? Nineteen. That's nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's your next business.
2: Yes, that's the one that the one that now probably people will know me for. Yes, Kayana. Yeah, Kayana. Um
0: tell us more about that. How did that even come about? So it,
2: that was birthed from oh my gosh. I'm feeling like I've done many things now when I'm talking about <laughs> it. But it didn't seem like many things mm-hmm. when it's happening. Um so when I came back from Babson, not from Babson, from Florida with the Women Enterprising Award. I wanted to recreate the same experience in Nairobi because I'm like, it's not okay for such successful women to be completely inaccessible to young and upcoming entrepreneurs, yeah. And it was, and for, for what happened in at, at, in Florida had a lot to do with the corporates, yeah. And I'm very fortunate because my business, I worked with women in mid-tier and senior tier corporate guys. So I had started developing a good, um, what's it called, network, yeah. So I came back um, home and I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to do the exact exact same thing, you know? And guys are like, oh, Pat, you know, women, we are very collaborative before we take decision making. So when I started talking to other people, like so-and-so is doing this, and you know, there's networking in heels, there's, you know, this, this going on. It's a crowded field, Pat. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't get out of my head. Um, you know, I, it was just festering there. So I started taking, I'm um, a journal, I write a lot. And so I started writing, you know, if I, do this, this is how this event would look like, this is what we would talk about, this is how we would pack it up with this kind of content. And then slowly, it, and you know, as you write, it almost becomes a book, you know. Cause, so, I don't know, I think I had a group of friends who... Uh, they said, every time we would meet together, we would complain about the business environment in Kenya and of the upcoming entrepreneurs. And they would say, Paji you should write a book about that. Yeah, 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 you know, kind mm-hmm. of things. You should talk about this. And then it became an idea. You know what? Yep, we're going to write this book. I remember we even sat down at Monico's in Vali Arcade and wrote 27 chapters of what we would talk about uh, this book. And that's really how the book, A Candid Handbook for Women Doing Business was birthed. Yeah. So that's what we did. Then I went and looked for these entrepreneurs and started, decided, let's share these these stories you know, kind of thing. And that's what birthed the book. And it was, oh, I, I got pregnant in between that time mm-hmm. with my third child. So I took a sabbatical for a year. I never went back to the office. I was, first of all, I was traumatized because I was 41 when I had the child. And then um, also promised myself I would not go to back to the office unless I committed to finishing the book, Mm -hmm. right? So that was great. So got the book out and then because of course my business is publishing, we self-published and it came out in 2017. And then I just printed like 50, my ambition, eh, 50 books and gave it to the women entrepreneurs. And they were like, when are we launching this book? When are we launching this book? (laughs) So that's then I was like, oh, I don't want to do a launch, but I want to do the series of conversations with Entrepreneurs, and so we then now started what is now known as candid conversations yeah. circles for women in business, and it was all around the book and the journey around the book and selling the book and talking to the entrepreneurs in the book and the topics that affected us as entrepreneurs, and which still runs to date. Yeah,
0: yeah, um, it's interesting that um, I, I think we we might have skipped that bit had you not gone to it because of the many things again that you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just before keep going to goes. Um, tell us more about the book and the writing process, um, and, and what was the, you talked about the vision, but why did you choose that particular direction in terms of going to that vision?
2: In terms of talking to female entrepreneurs?
0: Yeah, female entrepreneurs, as opposed to just you writing your story.
2: Because I didn't think I had a story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The only thing I knew is I had an experience I had experienced in Florida that needed to be replicated here. The story, actually this thing of Patricia's story has really come from Kayana, when I launched Kayana, is when more and more people keep asking me about my entrepreneurial story. Remember, you're just doing what needs to be done. (laughs) You're doing life, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) You don't realize that people are actually interested in in that story. And you know, when you're you're adjurakali pitching to corporates, I think they damage our confidence, these big institutions. So you're always thinking that you're not good enough, even when you're being given those jobs, because they're like, you' pitching you came for the pitch alone where is your team you know so those mm. things kind of like get into your head so like okay so I'm not, a, I'm not' it's not enough for me to represent this organization on my own I need to come with somebody and that not enough continues to f- sit and fester with you and remember we are coming there as women already wondering if is this really our space you know we're already questioning ourselves. So there's a lot of that kind of um, imposter syndrome that is happening uh, with a f- with female entrepreneurs, and to certainly happening, and it still does. It's still happening with me. So I never that story didn't. Willard is you know, yeah. I don't think of talking about that. It was just something that I was doing to because you know it was something I was excited about. I loved doing it, and I built I guess a business at the end. But then now when you open a uh, um, you know, a, a, a community of female entrepreneurs, you realize you're like a 1% of successful businesses. It, and success is not by turnover, but by how you've stayed alive yeah. for that that long, that amount of time. You have churned 30, 40 um, w- uh, human beings and helped feed them. And Their some of them and have married each other and have children. <laughs> then that's when you suddenly like, Allah, you know, I've actually done something, you yeah. know, yeah. But you don't, I didn't take time. I think now with this uh, tech entrepreneurship thing of instant, you know, kind of like success, I have an idea and then suddenly you've been given $100 million. <laughs> it's almost like you're jumping the whole point of, for me, uh, you know, solving the problem and understanding the environment. So we, that was not the space I'm living in. You know, I'm living in, I was doing something and it just grew organically and I was delivering a service. And now I have an opportunity to share that story with other women who probably are intimidated by this, startup environment and thinking it's really this complex thing, yet you can just work it into the natural fabric of your life and actually be successful doing it, yeah.
1: Yeah, interesting. So you're the you're in the 1% of the businesses that, are, or at least the women entrepreneurs mm. who are surviving in the ecosystem. When you look beside you, uh, who else are you seeing? Are mm. there like, well, clearly, there are not that many, but there are, are there other people over the years, you sort of started uh, noticing that they are in the same place that you are. Yeah, yeah. This is working for you locally as well. Hey, good for you.
2: Yeah. And those are the women who we now interview in a Candid handbook for women doing business. Ah, yeah. The so ones. we interviewed almost twenty-three women. Okay, and there's the around eighteen stories that are featured there. Yeah. So they're there when, when we started looking for them you found, found them, them. <laughs> <laughs> okay but you do the, you have to do the work yeah, yeah. and now even in Kayana, we're even finding even more and more of them you yeah. see yeah but that's the that's the re, that was my predicament yeah why did i have to jump on a plane and go so far and visit really hugely successful women who didn't tell me their first the, my first encounter was not that i'm running a 1 billion dollar business was that i'm an, a woman in business and raising a family and doing this, all these things together, you know, in the space. And I want, I'm willing to share my knowledge on how I'm doing it. And I loved that. Mm. And that's what I said, you know what, let's look at it from that, you know, aspect. And there are not many, unfortunately. We're not seeing many. We, has, we see these huge names. 're inaccessible I mean we I don't, I don't want to quote them but I would turn pages in magazines in newspapers and see the same women but I don't know them I where do I meet them? where am I going to meet them you know for me to interact with them and ask them how their journey was you know and some of them had big brands who have already have, um, an established you know they've already they didn't have a what do I say? A brand that they're not going to start changing to tell me their struggle. So let me get these other ones <laughs> like myself, yeah? yeah, and and let let's share our stories. And we were very very lucky in terms of and nearly every single woman I asked to share their story
1: said yes, yeah. That's beautiful. Um, what about being a mother at forty one? Like mm-hmm. a new baby is here. Mm. You just said it was was an interesting space to be in Mm. so much so that you decided to take a year off. Mm. Um, How did you, how did you sort of Get over that. If uh, the feeling wasn't that uh, <laughs> exciting as it was ten years before,
2: well, my son might listen to
1: this <laughs> <laughs> podcast. No, he knows his mom
2: loves him. <laughs> so I, um, so that's the thing. There was so much happening. Remember, now there was all this. Oh my gosh, amazingness that I want to do. Yeah, and um, I was like, oh, this is the journey. Maybe every year I'll fly and do a kakos somewhere. You know, my kids are now okay. They're getting into their teens. You know that kind of thing and then um i don't even ah i turned 40. so i planned a cruise with my girlfriends so we took um i had been called to speak at an event in um sweden so after we had done the swedish course came back home uh somebody i guess now because now i'm talking about my entrepreneurial journey a little bit i meet the swedish Swedish lady and she's like you must come and talk to this like mining village in called javle in sweden and we'll fly you there to do that, yeah. And but I, I have been planning for this cruise for almost two years, you know. Um, how am I gonna do, how am I gonna juggle? So she says, no, 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 you come. And then from there, you know, we planned the trip such that from there, I would then fly to Venice yep. and then go on a cruise. Uh, Rose Maura, who runs Preferred Personnel, had talked about when she turned 40, she went on a cruise and then made this amazing woman. So in my head, I had envisioned the same thing happening to me, yeah. <laughs> So I then um, so I, we managed to get these ten ten ladies and um, end up going on this cruise uh, cruise, and then my husband was receiving an award for the organisation that with which he was working with at in Paris. So listen to that life; it sounds f- wow. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so then, so when we finished, went to, to Rome. Then I flew to Paris, Paris. Venice. Can you imagine? Now hey. that's the life me. I knew I was going to be living. Eh? Yeah, uh, come back home, <laughs> like about. I I remember. I even discovered I was pregnant, like when I was like five months pregnant. It was just bizarre. So anyway, so that's the like you know this. I like this freedom of this you know this life of this. I want to live this life. Anyway, so it seemed like it was going to be the end of that because I have to go through the journey. I still want. I still want to raise my son like I raised my daughters, and I was available. I was there for them. You know. So that, that that was the crisis, yeah? yeah. But ultimately, and then also we'd been told having a child at 40 plus, I mean, there were all these things that were in our head which are myths, ladies. You can have your children at any age. Anyway, so uh, so that's, that was what was going through my mind. But once I got up, it was a beautiful, beautiful pregnancy. Yeah. Had an, uh, you've seen my son. Yeah. Gorgeous, right? You better say that. <laughs> anyway, so, so really, and he's just really, he's the person who has made us, actually, it's funny, has made us feel younger. Because every time I'm in mean, his class meetings, invariably we're the oldest <laughs> parents. <laughs> but because we're with such young people, yeah, it's yeah. really, it's really, it's, it's awesome. Oh. So it, we say God has his infinite plan for us, honestly, and that for that one, for me, for sure, that's the case. Yeah. So it had actually, energized me and has given me more energy to now do the things to keep that I'm going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So we've uh, we've mostly focused on your journey as an entrepreneur. Um, mm. You've just mentioned the cruise, yeah, and your girlfriends. Let's talk a bit about the people you choose to surround yourself with. Uh, Are these girlfriends um, intentionally picked? Yeah. Mm. And how long have they been there by the time you're going on for this cruise? And is it the same sort of method you choose with every other relationship you have around you that is away from business?
2: Yeah. So one of those stories you hear of... Have you had a breakup? I mean, and maybe let me talk to the girl in the room. You know That's how about, yeah. you can sometimes break up with your girlfriends. I'm yeah. um, one of those ladies who've done has done those very painful breakups.
0: My my wife has told me about it. Yeah, very yeah. painful.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I feel like sometimes when you're on a certain journey, um, you need to make new friends, and it's a difficult thing. I know, guys, you guys are tight. You want to be <laughs> man brothers for life, but sometimes you have to interrogate the friends that you're hanging out with. And we change and we evolve, right? And we change and we evolve. And, and a lot of times you need people who will see, see the greatness in you to help you because you're already suffering from self-doubt. So the one last thing you don't want is to be with people who will constantly remind you that you're not enough. And you have to interrogate that a lot, you know? So unfortunately, when I went through my crisis with my my crisis of 40, um, some didn't make the cut. Let's just put it like that, yeah? <laughs> And it wasn't because they were bad people or evil, but for the journey that I needed to go on, I needed people who would not be, would not doubt me. When I go to them, they're encouraging me. So that's the selection process that you go to. I still love them very dearly, but it is what it is, yeah? Now, um, having said that, I have also had friends that I've been friends with from when I was 13 years old, as in we walked into Form 1 together. And we're still friends to date, yeah, which is awesome. And I think that's a miracle if you can have that level of friends and people who also just take you the way you are. Yeah, I'm I'm not un, a particularly as much as I love intimacy in terms of authenticity in relationships. I may lack in terms of um, you know being available because sometimes when you're doing all these things, I have to divide my time between my family and uh, my work, and I may I may drop the ball. This is How many balls do you, are you having in the air? Mm. And so sometimes people might be offended by that. And you have to have people who just are like, that's just how Pat is. And you know, if she's here, she's here. And you know, she loves you and she's present. And not everybody can take that kind of a relationship, yeah? yeah. yeah. So, I, and I, I, pre- I appreciate that and I appreciate people's opinions in that. And therefore they have to also appreciate my decisions sometimes of not taking some relationships to the next level. Yeah. Mm. Very, very fortunate. When I went on the cruise, there were some of the ladies who came on the cruise I did not know. Okay, And that's just how I am. I'm like, because I the way I am, I'm like, tell, tell my girlfriend, you come with that best friend of yours so that I can get to know them better. Now that we'll be on a cruise for 10 days, but you, I'll be available. Our phones don't work on the boat. Me, me, I'll, we'll be there, <laughs> and it was it was really really wonderful because um some of those ladies are my friends today. Some of them are powerhouses, by the way, and are my friends today. And I just they're a phone call away from me, and I'm very very glad that we took that trip together because all of us shared that experience together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's quite wonderful. Okay, yeah. uh, before we
0: get too deep into the personal, I want to take it back a bit to the professional and your and your entrepreneurship journey. Um, at the last stage after the book and the candid conversations, then comes Kayana. I I think we didn't get a bit into that. I'd I'd want you to talk a bit more about Kayana. um, Again, how um, it came about. Of course, it's a culmination of all the things that you've done previously. uh, But in what was the idea, the main idea behind its bathing, and what you're trying to achieve with Kayana? So, and even the name, I I think the name is very interesting. I I know, I know, you may have gathered, yeah, by now, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. just for the the, that's our creativity in
2: naming. Will Art is Will Art, but um, my husband is William, and (laughs) my name is Pat, so that's Mm. how Will Art was formed. Then we had that's very, that's very kikuyu. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we we do live in central, so and then um, with Kayana, we were not, we were no, no different, Mm. um. But um, le- uh, a little bit about Kayana. I like to tell the story, especially for small businesses, and to explain to you why I I will never rate a business by its turnover, right? The building that Kayana owns was actually purchased by the space we're in was purchased by Willard, so Willard is actually our landlord. Yeah. Mm. And I'm telling you, God of small beginnings, never, never. You have to just, just do your work, do it well, and this, you can, you produce something out of it. So when we got the building back, we actually had expected Conference in a Box to take that space. but, um, And I'm actually glad we didn't. For some reason, by that time, this bug of women, women in business had just taken over my life. So, But it was to convince my co-founder, my co-director, that actually we're going to continue paying rent where we are with Conference in a Box. And, but I have this idea... I don't know, if it, what, how does it sound to you <laughs> of opening a space where women entrepreneurs can come together and just grow their business share, you know, yeah, in a very authentic, safe space. How airy fairy does that sound to somebody who I expect to finance this project, you know? But imagine he was like, yeah, Pat, imagine it sounds like a great idea and I'll help you, tell me what you want me to do. So I was very, very lucky in terms of that. So we then um, continued to run our businesses where they were running, and instead used the space to come up with, uh, initially I thought of a co-working space, but because the square foot is really, really tiny, I was like, there's There's um, Nairobi Garage down the road, Mm -hmm. there's um, Workify had just opened also down the road. There's IHUB down the road. I I was like, no, people can go and co-work where they're working. But let's make it a, just a place where women want to be together, you know, and where we can only do women-centric events, you know, in that space. And that was the whole idea, you know. If you want to start a podcast for women, whatever topic, you know, let's we'll host it here. You want to have your your meetings, you know, in a small a boardroom, which is an affordable price. You do it if you want to come with your baby. There's a little room there where you can actually nurse your child, and I liked that. Yeah. So and imagine that's that's what we created in that space, and then it would be membership-based. So the, the members don't actually work from the space. This was very hypothetical, pre-COVID. I know it makes sense now, but it, pre-COVID, very high, So we don't, everybody would ask me, so it's a, it's a co-working space. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> but they didn't understand. Of course, now with COVID, it makes sense because we yeah. people are all working from home. You um We are using the space primarily to do work. If you want to train, like 15 people, 10 people, because you're working from home, you can you, instead of going and paying rent now as a small business, why don't pay just your 10,000 shillings um a, a year for your membership and then the rent, the space, space at a highly discounted price. We have women doing interviews there now because you don't want to bring strangers to your home. Instead, you just book the space for half day, do all your interviews. There's a receptionist there anyone who's going to receive them, a waiting space. It has worked out perfect perfectly in terms of, of that, Yeah. Yeah. So that was the whole idea. It's really a supportive space for female entrepreneurs. Really, really women-centric, yeah.
0: At this point, I must admit that um, my wife is a member of Kayana and when she told me about the story, I'm like, man, I'm very jealous. Can I cross-dress and come in? <laughs> 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 yeah. She feels very highly of the yeah, space. And, you know, some... She feels very supported by the space and very, she does her interviews there yeah. for her of For her company.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, we give them through our media. We're doing so much media because of course now Willet now has also transitioned because of technology and things that have happened. We're also doing a lot of content development, right? And so we have magazines. We've got like signature magazines that we're producing. And we highlight these women are highlighted in their magazine about their work and what they're doing. It's wonderful, yeah. which they can then distribute to their customers and their clients. It's, I mean, it has actually worked very, very well. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Keep going. Um, yeah, Keep as, going. as we wrap up and I, I, I give uh, matter for Kigondu for the for the personal. Um, your entrepreneurship journey spans about maybe nineteen years to date. Actually, twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. twenty one. Um, what are some of the um timeless lessons that you've picked up along the way that um and of course you've shared a lot of this with other women out there, other women entrepreneurs, um, through your different forums. Um, uh, but what are some of the lessons that you'd want our audience to hear? If someone is out there um as an entrepreneur specifically, what are some of the lessons you've you've learned along the way?
2: The first thing I'd say is passion is definitely overrated. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because to grow your business, it is just great. It is hard work. It is painful. <laughs> 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 That's the reality. I don't know how else to put it to you. I think the problem with uh, to gauging everything on passion is that of being motivated. I'll only work out if I'm motivated. Then how many times would we really work out? Yet we know we need to go to the gym. We need to work out, and it's the same thing with business. It's great to go into a place that you're passionate about. Yeah, initially. Um, I think it's really great because that's the fire that everybody you'll be working around will be feeding off when things are really, really hard. But you need to have discipline and you need to be consistent. Actually, that's what the clients are looking for. Because when they're looking at your brand at the end of the day, they're not going to say, wow, what a passionate brand. But they never show up. <laughs> they never come. They never do. You know, what is that? you know? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what you have to work on. Are we consistently um, um, solving our clients' problem? Bottom line, whatever that problem is, whether it's hunger to feed them with nice, juicy products, whatever it is you have to keep that in focus. Passion is 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 great, but as you'll find that even um, when you open a business that, that is your passion, it will become work. So you'll have to actually look for something else that you're passionate about anyway. So for me, that's the big one. The big one is you just have to do the work. It's boring, it's routine, it's repetitive sometimes, but it's what you've got to do to get it done, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. oh wow. Um, I d- I know we always say this, but um, again, this is my favorite episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> I know you tell that to all your guests. <laughs> True story, though. It gets better every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, how how what's your typical day like now that uh, it's all this many years later, uh, all these different babies are grown, like literal babies, and uh, also the businesses. Where are you right now? Are you juggling this right now? I just feel I feel like twenty twenty has spoiled
2: that question, you know, okay. because I I oh, yeah, feel like we're working all the time, you know. Yeah, I really do. We're in zooms all the time. Um, the beauty about doing something that many organizations want to support you with, uh, you have to just sit in those meetings eh, and explain to them what it is you're trying to do. And then you, now me, I'm an artist. I'm like, I just want to help these businesses grow, and I know, I know, I know how to do them. And they're like, how Patricia, how are you going to deliver? How are you going to um, monitor? How are you going to evaluate? How are you going to, you know, what are your KPIs? And I have to be the person at the table to do that work. So you you find yourself in meetings a lot, yeah. Um, so that's a bit can be a bit exhausting. In fact, I'm, I've been banned from now having Zoom meetings after six p.m. unless I'm the one who's hosting the meeting. So that can be um, um, tedious. So I try to to exercise. I like to walk. Yeah, and listen, I love listening to podcasts, and I love listening to other people's playlists, you know, that kind of thing. So really, that that for me is my relaxation time. I'm a night owl. I work quite late into the night, night if I'm allowed to. I can even work until the whole night and then sleep the whole day. Um, I we play a lot of uh, board games now with our ki- with the kids, which is nice. Um, I try to do that like on over the weekend at least once with a young child. If you're not very present with them, and the temptation to give them the iPad can be there. But when, especially when you're exhausted, but you find that when you play, it's just the energy, you know, these kids bouncing off walls is great for the entire actually house. From my 18 year year old to now my six year old, it's really, really great, yeah. yeah. So that's generally I get up, if I'm the one taking the kids to school, we'll drop them to school, come back home, work, and then work. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 and then probably take a break and exercise. Mm. My husband is a gym freak. So if he goes to the gym and I'm not going with him, I'll end up walking or we'll join together and have exercise together. I love to read um, quite a bit. And um, yeah, the wind down. And then I've now learned to, uh, because of this Amazon sticks that we have, you can actually do a lot of binging. So on Saturdays and Sundays, we have a thing, my husband and I, where we watch Colombo. I don't know if you know Colombo. Mm. Look mm-hmm. for him. Mm. Colombo on Sundays and on Saturdays. Murder, she wrote, mm-hmm. "It's a real, it's a thing." I actually look forward to my weekends because of my evenings. Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: okay. Um, just a bit. Uh, before we go too far, uh, since when you uh, you mentioned it, you said, "A God of small beginnings." You know. So how do you how do you balance that? And is this intentional to you when uh, it comes to matters meditation? It comes to matters religion or spirituality. Is this a spot on your plate in any way?
2: I really wish the listeners could have seen you dancing as you are speaking. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's not a feminine thing. I I believe that everybody should should spend time in meditation. Yeah. Do you believe that? I do. Oh, fantastic. I do. We do. So, because I'm a person of faith, I spend a lot of time... Actually, I've had such a great reprieve right now reading the Bible. And I read the Bible every morning, like literally. And um, I also... I pray a lot, but usually I find myself, when I can't sleep, then I'll wake up and I'll pray. that kind of you know um, thing. Um, I really I, I love to question the meaning of life, you know, why are we here? Okay, even if we didn't ask to be here, we are here. So what are we gonna do with the time we have here? And that's a constant reminder, even when I don't want to write a grant because I'm finding it extremely difficult. I'm like, okay, but so you want to leave a mark and mean this, what is your purpose? And you've now discovered what your purpose is right you've got to do the work for it so i believe in that spiritualness and that we're here everybody's here for a purpose and everybody has a role to play and that's why it's extremely important that we discover our purpose quickly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and even if we don't know what it is be on the search for it so whatever you're doing do it with excellence if you don't believe in god do it in excellence for the universe nature I remember when in Sweden they because they you know Europe is in that at a post god era as I call it. so they are doing things they what do they do it for to save the environment to whatever call it what is it called what is what are we talking about in terms of um,
0: climate change climate change mm-hmm. get your
2: reason get yeah. your reason for being and it's amazing when you have that reason you know uh, that reason how it defines your life yeah and I just feel we have to work with that purpose for Us to reach out for potential yeah. and
0: yourself for God, if you may. Yeah, um, ha, has that relationship with um God and your level of spirituality been tested, um, yet
2: all the time in entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship is the, the thing <laughs> that tests your faith the, the most. You're yeah, like, really, I, but there, that that it had my name on it. Okay, now that I have it. Why are you testing me in delivering this product? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why are you putting this devil in my way? You know, when I'm trying to deliver a, a you know, a great product. I mean, all your tested, it's tested all the time, Kamande. Mm-hmm. I think, and that's one of the reasons why I even question myself sometimes. Patricia, did you uh, keep your business deliberately small so that I can? actually keep my faith alive Alive. you you know something i really question yeah why did you think about it or do i want to always be in a state where i'm questioning my faith or why i'm doing certain things or being in a, a, a presence of complete and 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 always being tempted you know you think about those things and i think about it i'm like did i keep myself small in terms of entrepreneurship in order to stay away to keep myself away from Temptations that I'm not sure that my spirit can is strong enough to face. You know, yeah. I ask myself those questions literally all the time. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's really powerful. I don't remember the exact tweet, but it went something like, um, "If if you really want to test your belief in God, be an entrepreneur in Nairobi." So yeah, clearly you're <laughs> testament <laughs> right. for that.
2: You'd almost receive in my office. We could even tell. We just an alpulans on our desk, and we're like, hmm, we know what this one is coming with. You know, yeah. it's really you take a decision. Not to supply things, yeah, be, based on your faith and what you, on your belief system. Yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, hey, keep going.
0: Let's. I, I put a mental note somewhere. Pin on when you ruptured your Achilles. Um, what happened? I'm trying <laughs> to
2: be young. <laughs> I'd actually gone for a workout. Well, um, a team building with my eldest daughter, mm-hmm. and it was the week before I was to travel to Babson. And I remember even when we were driving to Brackenhurst, talking to myself and saying, Patricia, you're about to go on the trip of your life. Because after that, we were going to do a, like a major five-week vacation. And I kept saying, you cannot be the person who ruins this for your family. You will be, don't make sure nobody gets hurt. You don't get hurt. Kaya doesn't get hurt. It was on my mind the whole time. And during the warm-up <laughs> sessions, we are being told to, <laughs> mm-hmm. to run around and taste. I just had so I'm like, hey, I wonder what stick that is I hit, you know? Yikes.
0: Yeah. I'm
2: looking around. I'm the only one on the ground. Guys are like, are you all right? Are you all right? You know, everybody's like, what's going on here? So I couldn't, but my leg is there. I could move my toes. I couldn't figure it out. That is how I ruptured my Achilles. Had to wait for somebody to pick me up. And it was my right leg. So I couldn't even drive back to Nairobi. You know, one of those things. Yeah. That was the story. Hey, Crazy. Okay. <laughs> what
0: can happen will happen. Yeah. Um, Before we get into the bit, a bit of the play, um, maybe... um. A detour slightly into the personal, actually not even a detour. Just a deep dive into the personal. Um, you've been married for twenty one years now, um right? Um, and And you mentioned a lot of things um that uh, you know stem from your family, both good and maybe bad in terms of things like, you know, mom guilt. But throughout the conversation, you've mentioned Joe, Joseph your husband quite a bit. Um, and and definitely, through this journey you've been through a lot together. Um, You know, there's such a rich story in there that we don't even have time to get into. But what are some of the lessons from your marriage? You mentioned early on, if I recall, um, that, you know, you were there for each other from the get go. He was there for you. And it's very important for you to find such a partner um, or companion. What are some of the other things that um, you do want our audience to learn as well um, in, in terms of this journey and sustaining a marriage for 21 years
2: yeah i've been very very for- fortunate before i dated my husband he was like my buddy i know one of us in this room can attest to that story <laughs> and i think it makes a very very big difference when you develop a friendship before the romance which as you know over 21 years of waking up oh my god, oh my god. no it doesn't It's not like that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's not? not? Yeah, no. (laughs) So, I mean, my husband is infinitely patient, infinitely patient, and therefore um, covers a lot of wrongs or a lot of, you know, uh, things that other guys would probably not put up with. He's got enough patience for that, yeah. And through that, you learn a lot as uh, a bit of a hothead in the house, you know, you're like is this the person is extending all this grace to you. Now nah, you, what are you bringing to the table? You know, you you have to ask those questions. So in terms of that, it's been great. I've been very fortunate like that. Many times, my, my husband is also very very self sufficient. So sometimes you can find yourself wondering. hey, By the way, Nikki Kufaleo, will I be missed? You know, one of those things. But you have to ask those questions. You know, you know, you have to ask each other. What do you? What are what? Does each of you bring into the relationship? And while for me, many times I may not have the financial muscle that my husband has, yeah, I think I believe I bring something else, you know, to the table, which brings him great joy. And then you have to recognize what those things are. And I think that's for me an important thing. I don't. I feel we're equal in the relationship. Yeah. Um. I never meant feel guilt guilty about. Anything, not about me working, nothing. The people would make me feel guilty are my kids. They're like, hey, but mom, do you realize? The other day they were reminding me, do you know, mom, uh, the last function we had in school and I was talking about it, I was like, yeah, it was great. And they just turned to me, actually, no, you were in the Zoom call the whole time. <laughs> 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 you know? So they will bring it up, but he will never do stuff like that. So there are areas where there are no-go zones in terms of no guilt, no, you know, Support whatever the person is going through. If we make a mistake, let's talk about it outside the context of what you're doing. The, what you're doing is great. Maybe just your delivery part needs to be worked on and you need to find time for your family. How about, you know, stuff like that. And then also, um, the, what are the core things? We talked about what the core things, what things that were important to us very early in our relationship. And so it, it was, and they haven't moved. And so that we always know these things are non-negotiable. And one of the reasons why I actually went into entrepreneurship, remember I left employment, was to be available <laughs> and for us to be together. So we're not going to not be apart. I mean, to be apart for prolonged period of times. Yeah. So those things help when you talk about such things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Taking notes. Uh, mm. v- vehemently, mental mm. notes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and and lastly, one more thing. Um, I was doing some a bit of research on you and also learnt. I don't know how true this is, that you've also trained to be a Montessori teacher.
2: Ish. In fact, I wondered how that was not coming up <laughs> because you asked me a lot of questions that many people don't ask me. So yes, in 2019 and 2009, I suffered from something known as entrepreneurial fatigue. And you know, as a founder, you're like, okay, the business is thriving, and whatever. But I was bored out of my hair. And um, my sister-in-law, my husband's sister, actually uh, said she'd always wanted to do. I can't remember what it was. I don't know how we ended up landing landing in that class. My, my, my middle child was not thriving in the school that she was in. Then, when we took her to a, an interview in a Montessori school, we noticed that she loved it. I mean, she was speaking, she was taking. part. in fact, during the interview, she told us, "Speak me in the later in the evening." So I was like, "What is this Montessori education?" And so we decided we. Uh, my sister-in-law is big on in, let's do something together, and so we decided to enroll in to do a diploma in early childhood at the Montessori school. For me to understand my children better, wow. <laughs> it was a wonderful, wonderful course. Um, I did. A, I remember writing a paper on the blueprint of uh, the, what forms the blueprint on, in children, uh, and and emotionally and for, forms the blueprint in life which was like the highest ranking paper in that course, but it was very exciting. Almost to the point where I was like, maybe I should become a child psychologist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: yes, mm. it was really, really nice. And sometimes I think you need to do that. Just do something random and study to a point of where you get an actual qualification in it and can talk uh, about it in a professional sense. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. Hey,
0: Specialization being, is for insects. And busy being, being born. born yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. For
1: sure. Uh, to the... Um, To someone from the hood who's listening to this, yeah. Uh, To someone from, I don't know, whatever part of Africa or the world, let's bring it totally back home. eh? Uh, Ulisomea high school gang, uh, Cubs, Cubs. Oh, wow, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, hot Cubs. There
0: are a lot of people who don't know what (laughs) what Cubs is. You guys who went to these, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) my Nairobi girls in. Kibera or Woodley as we used to
1: call it. I know. know. Okay. That's quite relatable. That's quite that's in the hood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like uptown hood. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Um growing up, um Kashata Mabuyu, what did you prefer? Oh
2: my gosh, yeah. Mabuyu, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah? yes, yes, yes. Uh, and
0: and which hood did you grow up in? Speaking of which,
2: Valia Kid Lavington.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: the next, the next question is really quick Blada, I'm a no, Now I'm not sure whether Alaska. Blada, yeah.
0: played
2: blada, I was so bad at those games. Okay. But let me say, so there's no CV. Blada. Okay, blada. no That's one knows. It. I mean, I could not jump or, or past my waist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: besides the um, background, okay, interest in uh, the Montessori way. If I call it that, is there something else that we'd be surprised you're totally good at? Wow! The, the, I usually use the Montessori
2: one actually, because mm. yeah. many people don't know that about me. You have me. to find another one now. That <laughs> I'm really good
1: at. Yeah, it could be as simple as iron. Yeah, i um,
2: the current clue, um, clue. Clu, you know, Cluedo, the yeah. game clue. In, in my house, I'm the reigning champion. It's this. Where you find the mystery of who Maria? You get, seem like you know yeah.
1: Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cubs and valley Arcade games. Yeah. Eh? Cluedo.
2: Yeah, it's just It's a good game for when you're playing as guys as friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, where you try and find out which crime and who killed who. It's a. It's a really ah, clue. Clue. i get clue. It. Yeah, clue. Yeah. The yeah. The yeah. yeah. Clue. Then even the clue. Okay. That's uh-huh. Is
0: there anything that you've changed your mind about in the recent past?
2: Yes, I have. I don't know if I will be judged.
1: No. If you don't mind sharing, please.
2: But I could have qualified as homophobic, which I'm not anymore. Very open. And I mean, my children have done a lot of work on me. And yeah, that's the only thing I would have said. Yeah, Busy being born. Busy being born, totally.
0: I think you should not be afraid of saying that. Mm. Because that's how uh, a lot of us have been brought up right mm, it's, yeah. it's not your fault so it's it's yeah. the most important thing is for you to unlearn that yeah, yeah. and learn it yeah, yeah because yeah. i mean a lot of our parents were very conservative yes, it was exactly. a new idea and that's what they ingrained, ingrained all of us in cultured yeah, yeah. that yeah. way yeah, cultured that way right yeah. so i it's, would it's never what?
2: have described myself like that but if i really was being authentic and honest it 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 was it could easily have been yeah. A, yeah. applied to me but i'm beyond that yeah <laughs> i've gone beyond that, that's that's I mean, that.
0: You, you're aware of it and you mm. you changed it i mean you're learning
1: and now imagine yourself on this podium next to we we, we always kind of say the same everything s- yeah, need to change we it always a bit mention uh? Banga, <laughs> Nelson Mandela, Wangari Madai, but these are kind of the people there An you go who
0: else who else is a um, who's the leading female entrepreneur in on the continent Um, opera. Okay. She's African in a way as well. Um, There you go.
1: But all we're saying is you're standing next to the greats um, of our times and and before us. And um, the majority of the people in your audience are Africans. And you have the chance to say something, not via speech, but Ah, you're in branding. So mm. on the T-shirt that you have on, a small statement, something you'd like to share with mostly Africans. Or, well, it could always encourage the rest of the world, but mm. this is to you, African people. Mm. What would this statement read? Uh, our time
2: is now. Our time. Our is time now. is now. Africa. Our time is now. There you go. Right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, you remember what um, Moshama Tony Moshama, previous guest on, yeah. I think episode thirteen. Yeah. Right. Or Twelve. 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 I'm um, said about the memorable quote from Obama. Yeah. It's it relates a bit to that. Um we are the ones we've been waiting for.
2: We I always use that quote. Oh. We are the but I use it for women. Mm-hmm. We are the ones we have <laughs> been waiting for. <laughs> I tell women that all the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There you
1: go. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Mazai, this has been so, so powerful. I've personally learned a lot from this session. Uh and I'm sure Kamande has. And I'm sure the one who's listening to us has. So Thank you so, so much. And uh, we wish you nothing but goodness and growth and stay busy being born. Yeah. Thank
2: you so much. And thank you for having me on this wonderful, um, wonderful platform. Yeah.
0: yeah. Two last questions. Um, what's next from you? And um, where can people find and learn more about you and maybe even buy your book?
2: Nowadays, when you Google. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and especially yeah. because I'm speaking a lot more. The book is available at Kayana. Mm-hmm. It's available on Amazon as a printed copy. I advise Amazing. You to... Amazing. Print a copy and let Amazon deliver it to you because it's a workbook as well, which is an important part of it. It's also on Kindle, but it, you don't have it like that's seventy percent of the experience. I ad- advise you to buy it on um, uh, Amazon, Amazon mm-hmm. for print or Amazon uh, for or for for viewing as a
1: book on on Kindle.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, um,
1: yeah. I think that's it. Uh, that's it. Asante Sana, uh, thank Asante you very much. Asante Sana, mm-hmm. keep shining your light. Oh, thank you, thank you. Keep being a beacon. Thank you so much. Asante. Yeah. Hey, there you have it, folks. Asante Nisana for walking with us, whatever time you're listening to us. Uh, be it in the year 2063. 2063. There you go. I'm a twenty twenty one. Whatever, as long as you're well, keep growing, stay busy, being born. Come on,
0: Yeah, um, that's it. I, I think we we are learning a lot from each guest, and I hope you, as our audience, you're learning as much as we are. Um, that's why we're here. And um, yeah, like you're going to say, keep busy, being born, and taking lessons from these amazing,
1: amazing guests. And remember. If you're not busy being born, then you're probably busy not living. I've been your host, Kiko Adu.
0: Commander, peace. peace. Sorry, Maria. Well, Five, hours. Five hours? Five
1: hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, how are you going to edit it? I don't know. Thank
0: how you, it you for busy. listening to our podcast. Do look out for more from us. For now, Kwaheri.